The following are tweets from women who have come forward to share their experiences with sexual harassment and rape while serving in the United States military. I did not write these tweets, and I am leaving out the author's handles to preserve any form of anonymity they may desire. In 1995, I was drugged, raped, and sodomized at NNPTC in Orlando. When I went to report it, I was told I would be dishonorably discharged for filing a false report, and I would be charged with adultery because my rapist was married. Hashtag, I am Vanessa Guillen. I was an E4 that was raped by an E6 in my second year in the Navy. I told no one. I saw how women were treated that reported. At year five, an E6 attempted to rape me shortly after I was separated due to PTSD. Hashtag, I am Vanessa Guillen. Female service members deserve better. I spent eight years in the Army and got out because when I reported my sexual harassment case, the soldier accused was promoted out of my unit, and that is how they, quote, solved the problem. Believe me, there's more to this story they're covering up. Hashtag, I am Vanessa Guillen. In 2017, I was stationed overseas, and three months later, I was sexually assaulted by an airman. In 2019, I was drugged and raped by another fellow airman. When I reported it, my leadership made it clear that they did not believe me. These airmen are still in. Hashtag, I am Vanessa Guillen. And there are so many more. If you are one of these women, or a woman like them, and would like a platform from which to tell your story, we are here. We will listen. We believe you. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we, we would, would be, be dead. dead. Like a heavy one. Yeah, very heavy opening. Yeah, that's always hard, actually like um, difficult for me to get through. I'm sure. Getting kind of emotional on you guys, which I know I haven't really done up to this point. Yeah. <laughs> but this one is this one is kind of hits close to home for I think most women. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we just have a little bit of business to attend to before we really get into the story. It'll be a bit of a repeat for those who were able to attend our live campfire stories on Friday. Ooh. Those cool kids. They're in the cool kids crowd. Oh, man. Yeah. Am I a cool kid? Yeah, you were there. Oh, right. Cool. See? And I'm like the leader, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So <laughs> that's, cool. that's cool. In the cool kids group <laughs> at the head of the table. Wow. Yep. Look at me. <laughs> Look at you moving up in the world. Although, I don't know. Maybe in high school you were a cool kid at the cool kids table. I was not. I, I was not either. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? We thought I- they were cool. <laughs> No, funny story. No. We don't give up popular kid vibes? Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, all right, fine. First of all, we have hit the over 10 patrons mark. Yes. Woo! Which means field trips. We love a field trip. First, uh, we will be planning a meetup at the Mutter or Mutter, if you like the umlaut, museum in Philadelphia sometime in August. 
The Mudder is reopening next week, and it is my favorite place in the world. I sense it's also going to be my favorite place oh, in the world. You're going to love it so much. Ugh, I have to read everything while I'm there, too, so I, I can't, like, just go through. I'm always, like, I find a new giant thing to read every time I'm there. <laughs> We're going to be like, Holly, remember, there's a whole crowd behind you. You have to keep walking. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I'll read it out loud. It'll be yeah. fine. Okay. They're used to listening to me talk anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> I will narrate for you. <laughs> going And going to the mutter with me is kind of probably the next best thing to having a tour guide because I've been there quite a few times and I have all the books and stuff. And I promise that I will come armed with a bunch of fun facts and try and tie in stuff there to past and future cases we might cover. It's going to be an awesome day, and I cannot wait for it. I could not be more excited for this. Um, And this field trip will cost uh, anyone coming the price of admission to the museum. Uh, Maybe we can find an outdoor place afterwards for cocktails and crime talk. Yes. I'm hoping the Continental is open, like, their rooftop outside bar. Oh. That would be so fun. I have yet to go there. It's my favorite. Yeah, you always tell me to go, and we always end up somewhere else. Gotta go. Well, you, if you go with me, you will go. Yeah, perfect. There you go. I'll make it happen. I'll make it happen for all of you. Well, that's enough for anyone to become a patron. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Did we sell ourselves well? Was that good? I think so. Okay, cool. <laughs> Second, this fall... For our patrons only, we will be hosting a 90-minute hike of horror through the Pine Barrens, and I'm also super excited about this. We will be hiking through Jersey's creepiest nature while talking about New Jersey ghost towns, spirits, legends, and of course, the man himself, the Jersey Devil. Yes, Leslie. Um, I was wondering if uh, this will be during the day? Yes. Okay, good. I'm not walking through the Pine Barrens at night. Perfect. (laughs) Another question? Yes, Leslie. Um... Uh, will there, what's, what time of year? Is it tick season? Or? Well, um, I think we should do it in October. So it okay. kind of depends on how warm of a fall we have had, whether there will be ticks or not. Because it's usually okay. when the frost hits that they're not really around as much anymore. So long pants and high socks. Yes. And we will bring a lot of bug spray to share. I have that. Leslie makes that, don't I you? Do. Mm-hmm. There we go. We'll have lots of bug spray to share and... Um, I want to do October because it's going to be blazing hot in the daytime otherwise. Perfect. It might still be pretty hot then, but it won't be 95 degrees, so. There'll be less snakes, too. You're going to be okay. Okay. Going to be all right. Some, some, we'll bring a snake charmer or something. Won't that bring it to Yeah, them? but they can just get, they get them away from you and, like, throw them into the woods or something. We'll talk about this later. Okay. That's not <laughs> in the stuff I have written down, you guys. So... <laughs> Patrons, this will be totally free to you. It is our gift. So if you think that sounds like fun, well, you are right. And apparently I just invited a snake charmer, so double good. Mm. It's going to be crazy awesome fun, and the only way you can gain access to this meander of mayhem is to support We Would Be Dead on Patreon. So get on over there and show us some love so we can all party together when the weather cools off a little bit. And, and, I just, this is recent, You can can say no if you want to. If we meet some more of our goals in the ratings and review department, we may even be able to raffle off a couple of tickets to non-patrons. Ooh. Yeah? I'm a non-patron. Can I partake? (laughs) It's always free for you. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) You're always invited. You're going to have to tell a story probably. Okay. (laughs) I better get working. Get get it together. Um, But yeah, I think if we um, really bump up our uh, ratings and reviews... 
If you guys head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating or a friendly review, then um, maybe we can open up a few extra tickets and raffle them off to people who have done so. I think that'd be super fun. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Let's meet some goals. Uh, as promised, we are coming to you guys live from the grave this week, and our withering corpses need to re- need reviews like normal humans might need oxygen. So, <sighs> would that make us zombies? Yeah, I'm okay with that. I don't want to be a zombie, like a cute zombie, like zombie pit-up girls. What about a vampire? They're dead. I guess we could be vampires. And they rose from the grave. All right, not the sparkly kind, though. No, that's stupid. Okay. It's so dumb. Except for you love Twilight. Get I out of here. I didn't love Twilight. <laughs> okay. It angered me, and I, so I watched it all because I like to be angry. <laughs> you, you hate watched Twilight? I hate watched it. Okay. Ugh. We're going to let you go with that from now on. <laughs> oh, also, this week I'm taking a week-long forensic anthropology intensive called Bones with Bob. <laughs> yes. So excited. I'm excited for you. I might just come over. You just watch. Yeah. You're like, hey, that's Bob. We're looking at some bones. I'm so jazzed about it. Um, so you can expect a lot more bone talk moving forward. And I do it all for you guys. <laughs> I think that's it for business. Do you have any other additional things to talk about before we get started? No, I'm good. Set. Cool. That's it. We'll end on bones with Bob. Yes. <laughs> Oh, God, I can't. I'm so excited. I can't wait. I know Bob's going to be amazing. He lives in Hawaii. Wow. Yeah. They have a lot of bones there. Apparently, they do. It's mm-hmm. He's like zooming from the lab with all the bones and skeletons and things. So I'm very excited That's about cool. seeing all of it. We'll have to take a trip there then. I guess we have to go to Hawaii. It's for your class. Yeah, it's tragedy. It's educational. Awful. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can meet Bob. Yes. Well, that would be the only reason to go. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's why. We're coming at you, Bob. I can't wait. Okay, so uh, it's a heavy one this week, you guys. I mean, I'm sure you could infer that from the opening, which I usually do like a little creative writing for, and then this week I was just like, I think this is so much more important than that. So researching this case was an extremely emotional journey, and just reading those tweets aloud had me struggling to keep my composure. And before we begin anything, I would also like to state for the record that I am more than aware that men in the United States military have gone through more than their fair share of sexual harassment and continue to go through it still. This week, in honor of our victim, Vanessa Guillen, we are giving most of our focus to the women. Gentlemen, your stories are absolutely important, and my offer is, of course, extended to you as well. You all deserve to tell your stories, if you so choose. And we would be honored to listen. So, we give credit to the boys, too. This week, we are, of course, talking about the tragic and eye-opening story of 20-year-old soldier Vanessa Guillen. Some of you have noticed that this is a bit of a departure for us, as we don't usually cover cases that are still developing. We're not really like a breaking news type podcast. But I felt drawn to this one. It felt important that we tell this story. And so I went with my gut, and here we are. And Leslie is kind enough to indulge me when I say things like, I just think we should do this one. I don't know why. And would you please research 1990s, 1999 pop culture and sexual harassment in the United States military? (laughs) Thank God for Leslie. Yay. (laughs) My pleasure. There is big female energy in this podcast, obviously. And when I hear these stories, when I heard Vanessa's story, I just instinctively knew on some level how they felt. 
It seems that we all have a story, and as awful as that is to say, I'm not here to make this about me, but I will put myself in the pool of women who have been sexually harassed in work, out of work, on the street, on a date, in a car, and at a party. All of those are true. And I'm willing to bet that Leslie has stories of her own as well. As awful as it is to admit, we absolutely all have them. It is unacceptable and long past time to stop letting this happen to all of us all the time. Because boys are just are not just hardwired to be rapey. I have news for you. They are absolutely not. We just have to teach our sons to respect women so that no more daughters will have to learn to carry their car keys between their fingers like a hidden blade to defend themselves from would-be rapists or to yell fire instead of help me because nobody cares about her, but they'll look for a fire. Oh, I hate that so much. I was told that so many times. I know. Same. Yep. And I always think about the fact that I don't know that I would remember to say fire. mm But they're instructing you to say that because your life is not important enough, but a fire could be dangerous to them, so they will respond. Absolutely. Yeah. I understand why they told Disgusting. me to say it, but I always was like, I'm I'm going to scream, help forget. me because I need help. Yeah, and think that somebody would still respond to that. And hope that that would be enough. Mm-hmm. That, that you would need help and that would gain the response. Yep. I am, you are, we are, Vanessa Guillen, and enough is enough. So let's get into the story. Before we get to the horrific events that ended Vanessa's life, let's get to know her a little bit. Vanessa was very young, you guys. Very, very, very young. So we don't have much in the way of fun facts throughout history with this one. It's just all too recent, which that fact in and of itself is sad. Like, we can't look back at her life and say this is what influenced her and have people be like, oh, yeah, back then, it's now. Mm -hmm. But we can start off with a few possibly to get a sense of where and when Vanessa came from. Vanessa Guillen was born on September 30th, 1999 to parents Rogelio and Gloria Guillen. I'm sorry if I pronounced either one of those wrong. Leslie, do we have anything about 1999? So in 1999, we all know that as the end of the world. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it was supposed to be the end of the world. It was supposed We're to be. Party like it's 1999. That was my song, but I have others, so it's oh, fine. Okay, sorry. It rained on your parade. Do you know what the top song was? I want to. Smooth by Santana with Rob Thomas. God, I was like a fully formed person who could drive a car when that came out. I remember <laughs> when that song came on, I got that, uh, I got the um, the tape of it and put it in my dad's Mustang convertible and him and I listened to the whole Santana album and it was, oh, I love it. I was that's younger, like very, it was good, it was fun, we sang it, it was awesome. That's like a very cool moment. Yeah, it was Mustang really fun. Convertible. Yeah, 1994 Mustang Convertible. Okay, Craig. Mm-hmm. Better get it with your fancy car. Some of the other top songs were I Want It That Way by Backstreet Boys. <sighs> I know. Yes. <laughs> uh. And uh, Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. Oh, man, your homegirl. Um, the movies to watch included The Sixth Sense, Ooh. Stuart Little, <laughs> not the same, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Oh, not to be confused with any other Austin Powers. And Tarzan. Like the Disney Tarzan? Yep. Mm-hmm. I love that one. I know, that was a good one. Um, the most famous person in America was Bill Gates at the time. And probably also because the world was ending. They were like, it's computers. Yeah. Save us. Save us. Save us. <laughs> certain death, computer guy. Yes. Yeah. That sounds um, right. Notable books include 
Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban mm. by J.K. Rowling, of course. That's my favorite book, too. Three is? A That's lot of three. people love three. Yeah. I like four and six. Those are my favorites. I do like four. I think three because it was it was kind of shorter. It was like a concise action story. Yep. Yeah. Um, From Hell by Alan Moore. I remember that book. Did you read that? I loved that movie. Mm, okay. The Johnny Depp one about Jack the Ripper, right? That's right, yeah. I was one of the like four people that actually liked it. Most people didn't, and yeah. I really did. So. John also likes that. Oh, good. Yeah. John and I can talk about it. <laughs> Uh, let's see. The funny guys were Chris Rock and Mitch Hedberg. Still funny. Sad about Mitch, though. I know, yeah. Myths that became a reality. Oh, I like this category. Prior to 1999, the American Express black card was just a myth. Do you know this story? Because I learned this from... I don't. Okay. Um, Amex decided to capitalize on it and actually made a black card, but they made this for, so it was an exclusive credit card. Um, and you could only qualify if you were like a multimillionaire to get an invitation. But I think, um, Jerry Seinfeld said that he was the reason that they made it. What? Yeah, I forget why. So I, I, now I wish that I looked this up, but in his, um, like getting coffee, yeah, show on Netflix. Like oh, so he, good. Um, he mentioned that that they made that f- because of him, and I forget why. I think he said it was like part of a joke that he oh. maybe he's the one that started that myth, and they were like, "Oh, now we have to do it." <laughs> Guys, find that out for us. Yeah. I want to know all about that story. Also, I've seen a black MX when I worked in Cape May. I've definitely seen people present them, and now I know that they're super stupid rich, mm-hmm. which in Cape May is not. As surprising as it might be. It's like a pretty, there's pretty wealthy people that come down there for vacations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the top quotes that year were, I see dead people. Oh, no. And is that your final answer? Oh, no. (laughs) Same response. Total different intonation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was a fun acting exercise. (laughs) And I'll leave everyone with this one. Um, the Times Magazine Person of the Year was Jeff Bezos. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. 1999. Yeah, so that was 1999. And that was the era Vanessa was born in. I like to do that because it gives you the sense of, like, the kind of world they came into and what shaped them and what made them, you know, what might what they might have liked and influenced mm-hmm. them. I don't know. I just Even think, what their parents may have yeah. been listening to or... Totally. Yeah. I think it gives you a better sense of that person. hmm So, thank you, Leslie. Uh, Vanessa had five siblings. It's a big household. She loved to play soccer and to jog. She loved learning. Vanessa attended Cesar E. Chavez High School, where she was an excellent and motivated student. Vanessa graduated in the top 15% of her class. And she could have had her pick of colleges and university, universities, excuse me, but she wanted to serve her country. She was passionate about joining the armed forces, and so, after she graduated in 2018, Vanessa enlisted in the United States Army. She was trained as a 91 or 91F. I don't know if they do both, if it's they say 91 or they say 91. I think it's 91. Okay. I don't, I'm so sorry to anybody who is um, a military person. I'm not super familiar with the terminology and I'm doing the very best I can. Um, But that's what she is. 
as a small arms slash artillery repairer. So remember, we're also talking about 2018 now. That is the very recent past. Uh, it was not uncommon for women to join the military. This isn't like we're talking about like 1940 or something where it was unheard of. Right. Um, I mean, even I'm, I'm older than her and I remember being in sixth grade thinking like I wanted to join the Air Force and that wasn't weird. It wasn't weird. No, not at all. So like I think it's sometimes it's hard to like keep that in your mind because we are used to other stories where it would have been. Right. This is not the case. That was a perfectly reasonable thing for her to want to do. Um and at this time, women made up 14% of active duty soldiers in the United States Army and 23% of the Army Reserve. Uh, while this is a comparatively low percentage, it's still representation. Women are there. And this was just two years ago. Like, I can't stress enough. I, I always want to feel with these cases like we are removed from them. Like, mm -hmm. oh, that happened before. So we can distance ourselves from it. But like, we really can't. This case just came to a head last week. So, yeah, I'm, I'm reminding you guys as much as I am reminding myself because I, I want to put that distance there and I just can't. Well, I was looking up something for uh, a piece that I have and it was the website was updated three hours prior. Oh, my God. That's, yeah, that's crazy. Or just at least it feels crazy to me because we just so often we're doing things that were long ago or yep. even at least 30 years ago. But this is so... So now, anyway, Vanessa was stationed at Fort Hood in Texas and was part of the 3rd Cavalry Regiment, a unit that was started at the beginning of the American Civil War and still remains today. I imagine that to someone who felt such a sense of duty to their country, being part of such a historic unit was, pretty, was a pretty big deal. So too, I imagine, was serving at Fort Hood, lo located in Killeen, Texas, Fort Hood happens to be the most populous United States military installation in the world. The main business area is in Bell County, with the training countryside area of area of the post in Coriel County. In April of 2014, the Fort Hood website lists 45,414 assigned soldiers and 8,900 civilian employees, with Fort Hood covering 214,000 acres making it one of the largest military bases in the world by area. It's quite a large place with a lot of people. It's pretty hard to imagine how someone could just disappear without anyone seeing anything, isn't it? Right? There's so many people. It's big, but there are so very many people packed in there. In the beginning of her time in the Army, Vanessa seemed to enjoy what she was doing and was proud of the work she was doing. And then suddenly in the spring of 2020, which was this spring, Vanessa began acting differently. She was quiet and started keeping to herself. Usually a sound and regular sleeper, Vanessa suddenly became wakeful and restless and would lay awake at all hours of the night. She began referring to the fort as an evil place to her mother and was frequently anxious and fearful. Something was clearly wrong. Eventually, in the beginning of April, in a phone conversation with her mother, Gloria, Vanessa revealed that she was being sexually harassed by one of her superiors. Vanessa said that he would walk in on her in the shower, that he would make lewd and offensive comments, and follow her while she was jogging. Which is so creepy. Follow her while she was jogging? Oh, I hate that. Right? That's such like a in-your-own-world thing to do. Like, when you're off jogging, you're not... 
you don't want other people in your sphere and like at least I don't Mm-mm. and you're extra vulnerable then too right. you know yeah Ugh, it's just that part that imagery just hits me Vanessa would not reveal the name of the offending officer she only told her mother that he was a sergeant and we will go on to find out that the what we believe to be the man she was talking about that was not actually his rank some people think perhaps it was somebody else or you know in my opinion she could have just really not wanted her mother to know who this was right and you know she had enough reasons for that um she said that she did not want to report him because of course her mother was like well you have to report this guy and she said absolutely not because she had witnessed firsthand what happened when other women had reported this same officer and it was nothing. Absolutely nothing happened. And no one believed them. It was also pretty well known that women in the armed forces in general who reported sexual harassment were not believed after they spoke up and their lives were made a living hell. Many of them ended up leaving the armed forces with severe post-traumatic stress disorder and not from combat. Gloria offered to report these events to the armed forces herself on Vanessa's behalf. So her mother said, listen, I will make the report about you. But I'll do it. And Vanessa refused. She knew that any way you sliced it, if her name was involved with a sexual harassment report, it would have meant bad things for her. Vanessa told her mother that she would take care of the situation herself. A few short weeks later, on April 22nd, 2020, Vanessa Guillen went missing and was never heard from again. Yep. I wish that I could say that the story of Vanessa's sexual harassment and fear in reporting it were unique. But that simply isn't true. The United States military is no stranger to incidences of sexual harassment, sexual abuse, and rape. In fact, it is a hotbed of activity. Fort Hood alone has been home to several major incidents. In March of 2015, a sexual assault prevention officer on the base, Sergeant First Class Gregory McQueen, was dishonorably discharged for having been convicted of organizing a prostitution ring. Huh. Yep. That was just three short years before Vanessa arrived at Fort Hood. In the same place. Oh, God. Mm Mm-hmm. Military sexual harassment statistics are staggering. Too staggering to mention all of them, but Leslie was kind enough to give us some insights and to demonstrate the breadth and severity of the issue, so. Okay. Talk to us about military sexual harassment, Leslie. All right. So, the U.S. Army Study Guide states... Sexual assault is a crime defined as international sexual contact characterized by use of force, physical threat, or abuse of authority or when the victim does not or cannot consent. Sexual assault includes rape, non-consensual sodomy, which is oral or anal sex, indecent assault, which is unwanted, inappropriate sexual contact or fondling, and attempts to commit these acts. So also attempts. Sodomy is like any kind of penetration, too. It is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything with anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Basically. Uh, Rates of sexual assault and harassment reports in the military have increased since last year. Yikes. The Defense Department's fiscal year 2019 report on sexual assault in the military said there were 7,825 sexual assault reports involving service members as victims or subjects, and that's a 3% increase compared to 2018. God, that's so many. Mm-hmm. 
This is just an increase in assaults, too, so not in harassment. Just harassment. That's just straight-up assaults. Yeah. Oh, my God. They also do a study on prevalence of assaults in the military, but that's done every other year, so I'll make a little bit of reference to it, but okay. um, this is mostly just, um, like, the facts, what's going on. Cool. Uh, there were 2,126 restricted reports of sexual assault. Uh, these were survivors who confidentially disclosed an assault without starting an official investigation. Yeah. So they just talked about it, but they said they don't need to go any further. They just wanted to mention it. Probably because they were afraid of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awful. This is a 17% increase from the year before. That's huge. Yes. 17% is enormous. Yeah. Wow. Um, one of my thoughts for this, um, well, so they, they were thinking these findings indicate a clear lack of faith in the chain of command. Right? Yeah. Um, one of my other thoughts about this, too, was the fact that more people were feeling comfortable to yeah. tell about their assault or harassment, but not but they didn't want to take it further. They almost wanted to be like, hey, this person did this, and maybe if there is a ton of other people coming forward with that same person, maybe you guys should do something about them. But I don't want to just yeah. be the one. You know, I don't know. You know, that I could be a, a whole... I tell you, but I don't want them to know that I told you. Yeah. Is basically what that mm-hmm. is. And then maybe if they found out that that same person was... There was like 10, I want to tell you, but I don't want them to know that I told you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then. Okay. Okay. 1,021 formal sexual harassment complaints were made. So that was um, a 10% increase from 2018. That's, that is big. I know. Yeah. And this is just recently. So this is the most current result. So when they take these, uh, when they do these studies, they're generally from October. So this would have been from October 2018 Mm -hmm. to um September of 2019 so they're currently doing one now for okay. the that would then be the 2020 but they're actually still looking at these results and they're going they're coming forth with more things almost daily about how they want to act upon what these results were I wonder if we'll see a dramatic increase because women and men are encouraged to come forward after this event happened mm-hmm. so in our next you know, round of statistics, we may see a very dramatic increase, mm-hmm. not in incidences, but in reported incidences, because right. there is a difference. And also remember, because um, we didn't do this, but uh, for if I did a 2018 fact, yeah, right, um, the Me Too movement was yeah. big. And so that could have also prompted these increases. So mm-hmm. what they might not have thought was too large of a rise, now they're seeing it and they're like, yeah. oh, shoot. You know, there's a, there's a movement happening. That has encouraged women to come forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I can see that. And again, these numbers are also men. They're not strictly yes. women. I'm sorry. But I do have a lot of facts that are mostly going to be women for our story today. Yeah. Um, and I will say, because I don't put this quote in there, but one of the female participants um, wrote a lot about uh, male harassment. And she said how she really wanted there to be more um, more information about how men get harassed. So instead of just always showing the female being mm-hmm. the victim in the videos of the sexual harassment training, she yeah. wanted she wanted men to be able to see themselves in it and feel comfortable. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. One of the areas of the study focused um, on unit climate. 
Most military sexual assaults happen between service members who work or live nearby, and when unit climates are tolerant of other forms of misconduct, risk of sexual assault increases. For active duty women, those who experienced sexual harassment had a three times greater risk of sexual assault than those who did not. Wow. And that makes sense. If you've been sexually harassed, you're more likely for it to go to the next step. The behavior like that does escalate. Yep. Focus group participants said that service members find it hard to fully define sexual harassment and that male and female service members define it differently. Participants said that when it occurs, it is not always confronted or addressed, and service members believe that that was because people don't want to jeopardize the career of a high-ranking or better-performing service member. Yeah, that's a lot of this. If Mm -hmm. it's their superior, which it frequently is, that's why they don't want to report them because they can be totally blackballed because of it. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I read... It's not one of the tweets I read in the opening, but one of them is rather lengthy, which is why I felt that it, I couldn't really include it in the beginning. It was from a woman that a lot of her harassment stemmed from, but you're so pretty. You're the prettiest woman here, so we clearly all want to have sex with you. You're so pretty. You're too pretty to do this. Like, there was a lot of... It was it was emphasized. But like, oh, but I was being nice to her. I was telling her she was too pretty to do things. I was telling her everybody wanted to have sex with her. That's nice. No, mm. it's not. We don't want to hear that. Nope. <laughs> No, we do not. Focus group participants reported senior leaders actively making changes in the right direction, but generational differences in areas such as gender roles and inclusive attitudes could delay healthier workplace climates. Um, So these were, the next part I'm going to go through are their perceived areas of improvement. Um, Participants described military leaders as having many positive impacts on military workplace culture, some discussions identified areas of professional improvements. Quote, reminding leadership across the board that every time you pass something that you know is wrong and you don't correct it, you lower the bar. Every time you don't correct something, you lower the bar, you lower the standard. Every time that standard gets lowered, it's just the norm. And that's the new expectation. Oh, that is such a timely thing. That applies to like everything right now. Everything they were, well, because again, this is right now, this is the most recent report. Yeah, but you could put that on so many other things going on in our country. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so that was from a female Marine Corps uh, who was a mid-enlisted. So she was not, she was like mid-level ranking. Last year's reporting found that the increase in sexual assault were mostly among female service members between 17 to 24 and junior enlisted women. Yep. These young service members' main contact is there is with the E4 junior leadership ranks, which you made mention to E4s and mm-hmm. E6s. The E4s are responsible for translating orders into practice at the lowest levels. So they are going to be their contact. Yep. And that's younger people who have just enlisted or are, you know, fresh out of high school and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you have these people that are 17 to 24, and then when they get a little bit more responsibility, that's their next step before they go elsewhere. Okay. So they have a little bit more responsibility than these newcomers. Right. But they're not even that old themselves. No, because they could be between that age or just a few years older than them. That's crazy. Quote, 
The person you're going to look up to is going to be that E4. Like E4 Mafia. That's what they call them, E4 Mafia. Oh. And usually somebody that's two or three years older than you. And they just like to party. It's literally what it is for most people that are like, this guy likes to have fun. He seems like I can hang out with him and have a good time. End quote. That was from a male who was in the army and he was mid-enlisted. One of the things that they were saying a lot were, you know, these these, uh, young service members would come in and they would have a, you know, they would work really hard for the week, the like Monday to Friday, say, mm-hmm. and then the weekends they had off. And on the weekends, they were just all in this big area room packed in and they were just like, we can drink, we can have fun, let loose, have this. So a lot of times they were saying that it's, you know, it's like a basically a college atmosphere yeah. and you're drinking and we've been to college and we yes. know what that's like and we know certain things that have happened with alcohol yep. in us. And, um, And they were even, you know, they made mention how part of harassment is still, you know, you could have that drink and then, you know, say have, say something to somebody or actually have an assault where you guys have sex. Mm -hmm. But if you wake up that next day and you're like, what did I do? If you regret what you have done, that's a level of harassment and assault. Yeah. And it's, and it's alcohol induced, but they're pushing it. They're pushing the alcohol there, you know? It's it that's that age too. When you're that age, that's mm-hmm. what you want to do. You want to be with a bunch of your peers. You want to be fucked up and partying. And and for most, it's the first time that they've ever been away from their home and their family, yeah. and they're mm-hmm. out on their own for the first time. They don't know how to act yet. No. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, people that age have no idea how to act. I am so sorry for anyone who knew me in college. I was a mess. Mm-hmm. And I would say, college wise, generally, when you go in your freshman year, when you're like 17, 18 years old. You get to be in a dorm room with the same age group. Yes. and But here you have a whole mix of people. So you could have like mid-20s with a 17-year-old. Ugh. And that's uncomfortable. That I mean, is very you know, it's uncomfortable. Like, it's like trying to hang out with the grad students. That was always weird. <laughs> Art school doesn't have quite so many grad students. <laughs> oh. But I'll trust you. <laughs> we did. But ours were very book smarty. So they were like, we don't drink. So Ooh. it was a little bit nicer. <laughs> nice. The military is realizing sexual harassment and assault training really needs to address at this level if they are going to see changes. It is here where the younger service members will learn how to respond to sexual harassment and assault, whether as a witness or a victim. So that's where they, um, instead of fully, I mean, they want to focus on everybody in the military, but they really want to hit hard with the younger group because- I mean, even they said it before how some of the generational um, differences could cause the, like, the health of their workplace to take a little longer um, to come to grips with this. Okay. Uh, they, they're hoping that if we start it with this first kind of the first and second generation of the military well, younger group, people are more adaptable. They are. And, but if it starts there, then especially when those, the, you know, the young service members come in. Um, the ones that they're talking to, if they're not harassing them, then they're not going to learn to harass the people after them. Yep. That's, yeah. Participants noted the importance of leaders being present and engaged with the units and being trained to lead and respond accordingly when incidents occur. 
Some participants noted that physical fitness scores and rifle tests represent key elements that can lead to promotion, but these scores do not necessarily indicate that a service member is capable of leading a unit. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And that we see that in all of our workplaces. Yep. Everywhere. Participants also stress that good leaders are effective communicators and foster trust within their units. Yeah. Participants also discussed a mission-first mindset when giving examples of how improperly sexual assault and harassment cases are handled. Quote, someone literally got raped in a fan room, and they're the one being extricated off the ship, the person who got raped, rather than the other person, because, oh, the other person is more mission-oriented. End quote. That is common in a lot of those tweets. I had a problem, and then I was, I was rejected instead of the person who caused my problem. Mm -hmm. But I said something, so I got kicked out. And that quote was from a junior male Navy. Quote, Mission first mentality is having no understanding of individual needs or what your airmen are going through and driving everything has to be perfect. And if you mess up even once, then you're ostracized. And the mission matters more than the people. Ugh. And it really should be people first, because if you take care of the people, the mission's going to happen. Jesus. End quote. That applies to every job ever. Take care of your employees. Jesus. Mm-hmm. So they are currently working towards making sexual harassment a separate military crime, which is good. So right now it's all together. Okay. Which I think is why the harassment side of it almost isn't taken as seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, but possibly well again this would have this whole study would have come after like right around the me too movement okay so there's a lot of changes all being happening within this past two years yeah Um, so that's one of the things that they want to change also i just realized that i don't think sexual assault was even a criminal offense in the military until like 1980s really um yeah you guys can double check that for me but i I'm pretty sure it wasn't a full crime, like, a, like totally against the law. Wow. Um, like, actually said against the law. That's until pretty, then. It's pretty gross. So they've been really making more positive strides towards it, like, the last, it was really only, like, decade, two decades. That is too late. It is. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Another action was to establish the Catch a Serial Offender program. So we talked a little bit about this already, but this is actually a program that they want to have. This allows survivors who make a restricted report to anonymously submit information to help identify repeat sexual offenders. You need that. The program allows survivors another avenue to consider changing restricted reports to unrestricted and begin participating in the military justice system. Good. Um, since the program launched in August, so this program, Mm -hmm. this, uh, catch a serial offender program, there have been 239 reports submitted and five matches. Five. Which is kind of a lot for 239. Like if only 239 reports have been submitted to this repeat, then there's been five matches. Like that's kind of a, in the, cause that's a repeat offender. So like how many times, you know? I don't know. Within... Like that could be huge. It could be nothing. It, it mm-hmm. kind of depends on what the ratios were. It, and again, this launched in August of 2019. So it's not. That's yeah. not even a year ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I believe this article was from January. 
Yeah. So too soon to tell, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are the main facts that I have. Thank you for that. It is infuriating, but it's important that we proceed with this story with that knowledge in our head. Because again, like, I think what we do so often on this podcast is really try to get our listeners and and ourselves kind of in the place of the victim, not not to experience anything horrible, but to see like who they were, what they went through, why their life was like that, why they took certain actions. Because, you know, that that's a person. You want to really feel that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the world she inhabited. That's where she was. She was living in that we're gonna party in a giant room and I'm answering to someone who was and she was answering to someone who was at the same age as her. Right. In the end. This guy's this the same age as she is. So What happened to Vanessa? Well, for a long time, nobody knew. Vanessa was last seen at around 1 p.m. on April 22, 2020, in the parking lot of her unit, the Regimental Engineer Squadron headquarters of the 3rd Cavalry Regiment. Fort Hood is a United States Army post approximately 340 square miles in size and home to the 3 Corps and the 1st Cavalry Division. Vanessa's car keys identification card, bank card, and barracks key were found inside the armory where she worked. On the day she went missing, Vanessa was not even scheduled to work. She was called in. She reported for duty to her barracks and then had to go over to another barracks to help identify a few weapons by their serial number. And after that, she was never seen again. Vanessa was reported missing on April 22nd at 9 p.m. by her mother, Gloria, who had driven to Fort Hood after Vanessa failed to return phone calls and text messages from her family and boyfriend throughout the day. So her family was on it. As soon as they didn't hear from her, they, were, they drove to Fort Hood to report it. This is not something that, like, lapsed for a while. On April 23rd, the United States uh, Army Criminal Investigation Division is notified Vanessa is missing. A witness says that before her disappearance, she left the arms room where she was working to go to an arms room controlled by specialist Aaron David Robinson to confirm serial numbers for weapons and equipment. And again, the the rank of specialist would have been like just one above her. In fact, she was posthumously granted the rank of specialist just very recently. On April 24th, the Belton Police Department, the Belton Fire Department, and Texas Fire Department of Public Safety Troopers search an area along the Leon River and FM-317 after Fort Hood requests their help. Fort Hood investigators told them that a phone possibly belonging to Guillen was pinged in the area. The Army Criminal Investigation Division, or CID, used this statement to the public, quote, Public's help sought in locating Fort Hood soldier, Quantico VA, parentheses, April 24th, 2020, end parentheses. Fort Hood officials and special agents from the United States Army Criminal Investigation Command are asking for the public's assistance in locating Private First Class Vanessa Guillen, a 20-year-old soldier stationed at Fort Hood, Texas. Guillen was last seen on April 22nd at 1 p.m. in the parking lot of her Regimental Engineer Squadron headquarters on Fort Hood. Her car keys, barracks room key, identification card, and wallet were later found in the armory room where she was working earlier in the day. She was last seen wearing a black t-shirt. Fort Hood Military Police issued a Be on the Lookout, B-O-L-O, notice to surrounding law enforcement and an extensive search is underway by military members, as well as a civilian and military police. 
Kian is of Hispanic descent, 5 feet, 2 inches tall, 126 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information should contact Army CID Special Agents at phone number or the Military Police Desk at another phone number. On April 26th, the Find Vanessa Guillen Facebook page was created, and that's still there. On April 27th, 2020, and I should have warned you guys before, the rest of this, her story is pretty much a timeline because it's just blow by blow by blow of what's happening. That's why I'm just saying dates and, like, what occurred. Um, The United States Army issued another press release offering a $15,000 reward to anyone who located or had information that might lead to the recovery of missing soldier Vanessa Guillen. On April 28th, the CID interviewed Aaron David Robinson for the first time. After confirming that he would have been the last person to have seen Vanessa alive by all accounts, the last text message in her phone was from him. He had asked her to come to his barracks and she obliged. Robinson tells the CID officials that after he finished his work on April 22nd, he went to his off-post residence that he shared with his girlfriend, Cecily Aguilar, and did not leave the rest of the night except around 6.30 p.m. when he had come on post to sign on to a government computer to enroll in training. Several other statements are made in the press by members of the United States Army asking that anyone with information about Vanessa come forward and stating that they will not give up searching for her until she is found. There's like a like a COVID briefing that they had. They were just talking about COVID stuff at Fort Hood and like the first thing they said is like, before we start, anybody who's seen her, please report. Wow. So like, yeah, they they did get it out there, which is good. On May 7th, while investigating Guillen's disappearance, the United States Army CID uncovers a statement that could be considered potential sexual harassment. After subsequent investigation, another allegation of verbal harassment involving the same individual was discovered. They do not tell the public about the existence of this statement, what the statement was, or who made the statement. And this is infuriating. These are examples of the Army holding back information that will certainly come back into play in this story, but this is the first time it is documented. So they did find evidence. They just said they didn't. That is so infuriating. Right? Yeah. On May 15th, Myra Guillen, Vanessa's older sister who lives in Houston, said that she and her family have yet to receive any information regarding the disappearance. Myra Guillen says because she and her family are not allowed on base to search, all they can do is hand out flyers in the surrounding community and wait for answers. I can't understand why her family knew nothing. They, were, they said they were doing things, but they wouldn't tell the family any of them or about what they were doing. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I mean, it is the military, so they always have that level. Right, and I, that's what I said. Like, I can see maybe telling them that they cannot come onto a United States military base and just search around. Right. That's a matter of security. I completely understand that. A military base is filled with weapons and secrets, and I'm not sure which of those things is more dangerous, but I also know civilians don't need to just stumble onto them. I would have expected that her family would have been allowed, though, to go into the space where Vanessa had lived at that point, like where her bed was and where she kept her stuff, because, I mean, her family may have noticed something out of order that other officers or security didn't. They may have seen something like, oh, she doesn't usually do that. She doesn't usually leave her things like that. This, Like, just little things. Like I would have thought they could have seen at least her space. You would have hoped. Well, yes, one would have hoped, but they, <laughs> they couldn't. Um, her family knew her habits and the way she kept her things. And, you know, there could have been a clue somewhere in those facts. I would, 
I would think that the army would want as much information as they could gather. After all, this was one of their soldiers that went missing. But no. Gloria Guillen was quoted as saying, quote, I feel there is a break in trust because me being her mother, I deserve to know, but they refuse to give me any details because it's an ongoing investigation. What I don't understand is how some information still reaches me by word of mouth by soldiers. It's not fair that they know, and I don't. No, it isn't. No. It's not at all. That's crazy. She's hearing go- gossip from soldiers that she knew as her daughter's friends, and she's not hearing it from the military. That's awful. Then on May 18th, the case began to show a few cracks. The CID interviewed two witnesses who said that on the afternoon of April 22nd, they saw Aaron David Robinson pulling a large, quote, tough box with wheels that appeared very heavy in weight out of the arms room where he worked. The two witnesses said they observed Robinson load the tough box into his vehicle and drive away. This wasn't a usual thing for people to do. This is like a... You you don't take it out of the armory and put it in your car. So it drew their attention. And if you're anything like me, you're wondering what the hell a tough box is. So don't worry, I googled it for you. A tough box is a giant plastic tote bin with wheels. Also, it's also referred to as a rolling utility cart. So it's like an extra big toolbox type thing. It's, it's large and industrial looking. And I don't think it's something you would put in your car and drive away. I don't know. You know, Army, you can, you can correct me if that is something that is part of regulation. It just seemed out of place to me. Um, the next day, police asked for permission to go through Mr. Robinson's cell phone, and he agreed. The phone revealed that Mr. Robinson had called his girlfriend, Cecily Aguilar, who— and there is no way to put this that doesn't sound, make me sound like a gossiping housewife, who was married to another soldier at Fort Hood. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. From whom she was apparently estranged, but she is married to another soldier at the same fort as the man that is now her boyfriend. I wonder if that's not abnormal because, you know, sometimes people get married on those forts, but but they might... He's still there. Yeah, but, well, maybe they were... Maybe they wanted to get a divorce, but they just are like, we have to wait. Maybe. I, I, it doesn't really make reference to their situation, but it is said quite a few places that um, that she was married to another soldier on the same fort, which maybe is something you don't really want to cross-pollinate like that. I have no idea. Um, but I think most most people are together on their forts. Like, they're, that's their unit. Yeah. They're with them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're, well, Fort Hood is like tens of thousands of people, but oh, still. Right. But still. Like I said, I don't know how honor code based it is, but like that's another person at your fort. That's their wife. I don't know how done that is. Maybe it's done all the time. Maybe it's not. It's it's just mentioned. So military life. Yeah, right. I don't I don't really know. Anyway, Robinson had called Cecily multiple times on the night of April 22nd and then again on the morning of April 23rd as early as 3 a.m. Robinson had previously claimed that he was with Cecily all night long and she said the same. When asked why, if they were together all night, he would be calling her so many times, she answered that she had lost her phone and Robinson was simply helping her find it. Sure, 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 sure. That sounds believable. Authorities, of course, noticed that the length of these phone calls did not correspond with the amount of time one would stay on the line to find their phone with someone who was allegedly standing right next to them. Usually if someone calls your phone because you've lost it, you don't even answer it. You find it and yell, got it, and then it's done. You don't pick up from 15 feet away and then sit down and have a nice long chat. 
Yeah, that's that's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> try again, please, dummies. Mm-hmm. On May 21st, Fort Hood Public Affairs Director Tom E. Rhinelander says they continue to investigate Guillen's disappearance. Quote, at one point, more than 500 soldiers from the 3rd Cavalry Division searched daily on foot in training areas, barracks, and across the post. End quote. This is what he said. He said additional targeted searches with smaller groups of soldiers continued, and aircraft from the 1st Cavalry Division provided more than 100 hours of flight time to the search on and off of the installation. The only problem here is that Gloria Guillen says her family has absolutely no proof that any of this has e- ever happened. And frankly, she doesn't trust the military to have done this simply on blind faith. And really, who could blame her? She had been kept in the dark for all these weeks, and suddenly she's expected to believe that the army elected to not tell her they were conducting a massive search for her daughter when that was the very thing she was asking for. The one thing that would have, for lack of better terminology, gotten her off their back. It all seems rather odd, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. The next day... Someone starts a petition for the White House to hold the army accountable for Guillen's disappearance and the subsequent investigation. It has 180,241 signatures as of Wednesday, July 8th, surpassing the amount required for the White House to respond within 30 days. And then, a month goes by. How on earth could a month go by in the face of all of this? Well, your guess is as good as mine. On June 15th, the Army increases the reward for evidence leading to Vanessa Guillen to $25,000, which was quickly matched by a Latino civil rights organization. Houston rapper Baby Bash added an additional $5,000 into the pool, and actor Salma Hayek pledged to put Vanessa's picture on her Instagram account every day until she was found. People were very aware of Vanessa's case at this point, and it had become major news, which we all remember because it was just like a few weeks ago. Yeah. Then on June 19th, things picked up in a big way. First, the CID brought in Cecily Aguilar to be officially interviewed for the first time. It is at this time they also obtained permission to search her cell phone, with which they discovered that both Aguilar and Robinson had been in an area along the bank of the Leon River, both on the 22nd and then again on the 26th. Rivers are great for disposing of bodies, in case anyone hasn't caught up to that yet. While all of that is happening with the CID and Cecily Aguilar, authorities find skeletal remains in a field in Killeen, Texas. Guillen family says it's not, um, it's not Vanessa. Authorities later confirm that they are the remains of Private Gregory Morales, who was last seen in August of 2019. I'm sorry, what? What? So there's another? Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. They were out looking for a missing soldier and found a whole other dead soldier who had been missing for 10 months. 10 months. They couldn't find this guy for that long and he didn't even make it out of town. And we didn't know anything about it. Not until they found him. I mean, they knew. Right. But we didn't know. Authorities report that Gregory was found buried in a shallow grave with loose soil in a field. His clothing had been shredded and scattered around the burial site. As of right now, we are waiting on Gregory's autopsy report to determine exactly how and when he died. Army representatives told the Morales family that they had recovered Gregory's car back in January. Cool. They thought it would be best to wait until they found a body to even tell his family they had found his car. Oh my God. Completely in the dark. All of this feels so shady and secretive to me. It reeks of the army just trying to cover it for itself. 
so that whatever heinous secret this soldier might perhaps be kept buried in that field with him. But I digress. Investigators say nothing indicates that the Morales and Guillen cases are related. And honestly, I believe that. There's nothing to indicate that say they were the same person, but they were both, they both happened under the watch of Fort Hood and nobody knew about it and they could just disappear and that was fine. But it also begs repeating that in the course of a course of a year, just one year, like I said, two soldiers of Fort Hood went missing without a trace and ended up dead. Spoiler alert, I'm very sorry, but I think we all know that they're not going to find Vanessa alive. Rarely do the cases we cover end with, and they all lived happily ever after. The end. One day. Yeah, maybe. I'll tell a story. Yeah. <laughs> On June 21st, after pinging both Cecily Aguilar and Aaron David Robinson's phones, authorities were able to pinpoint the place on the Leon River that they had been. The United States Army CID, the Bell County Sheriff's Office, and the Texas Rangers searched the Leon River at Belton after location data from Robinson's phone indicated it was near the intersection of Farm to Market Road 436 and West Main Street in Belton, specifically on or around a bridge at 1.59 a.m. April 23rd, before going north and remaining in the area for about two hours. They find the burned remains of what appears to be the same tough box witnesses described Robinson leaving Fort Hood with on April 22nd. They also smell something decomposing, but they do not find any human remains. Authorities, however, did indicate that the ground they searched had not only smelled of decay, but also felt loose and slightly wet. Which is disgusting, and I think you all know what word they used for slightly wet, but I refuse to say it as it is a pox on the English language and an audible emetic. Gross. So, finally, on June 30th, the 3rd Cavalry Regiment Division Colonel Ralph Overland appoints a team to investigate allegations that Private First Class Vanessa Guillen was sexually harassed. So she disappeared in April. It was like April 22nd, I think. Her mother said there were sexual harassment issues. June 30th, they decide to explore that. I'm getting angry. Yeah, not right away. (laughs) On June 30th. (sighs) According to them, no evidence was found. But it wouldn't be. Would have. Would Would it have? I can't talk anymore. I'm so mad I can't talk. Vanessa herself said that she knew she couldn't tell anyone in power about her situation because it was an officer who outranked her. She knew no one would have believed her and feared she would suffer whatever consequences they deemed worthy. That same day, a phone call came into the Bell County Sheriff's Office. It seemed that a group of contractors who had been building a fence on a property near the intersection of FM 436 and Hatrick Bluff Spur called the Bell County Sheriff's Office after they discovered what they believed to be human remains. The Bell County Sheriff's Office sent two detectives who concurred that they looked like they were human remains. The detectives called Fort Hood, the Army CID, the Texas Rangers, and the FBI, so they pulled out all the big guns at that point, and they stay with the remains until a mortician transports them to a medical examiner. The remains have been discovered in three separate holes that had been hastily covered in concrete. It appeared that animals had dragged the remains out from their hiding place. A medical examiner looked at the remains and tried to identify them, but the head and face were too badly damaged for even dental records to be usable for identification. So the remains were found, and they were shipped to an army base in Delaware, where other methods could be used to positively identify the body. Meanwhile, back at Fort Hood, it's time for Cecily Aguilar to start talking. 
She is brought back in to speak with Army CID and officers from the Sheriff's Department. This time, she has some very different things to say. A confession came pouring out of her, and it went something like this. On April 22nd, she received a phone call from her boyfriend, Aaron David Robinson, and he said that he had killed a woman in the armory. The woman's name was Vanessa Guillen, and he killed her by repeatedly bashing her in the head with a hammer. He then loaded her into the tough box and had the body in his car. He was going to pick up Aguilar so she could help him dispose of the body. Robinson drove to pick up Aguilar at the gas station where she worked, and they drove to the bank of the Leon River where they tried to burn the body, but it didn't work. Hence the burnt tough box lid. So the cut-up remains were then placed into three separate holes. Then, on April 26, they returned to the place where they had buried the remains, this time with hairnets and gloves. They broke the body down into even smaller pieces, burnt those pieces, put them back into the holes, and covered them with a bag of concrete that Aguilar had had acquired off someone on Facebook earlier that day. So there are clearly receipts and screenshots of that transaction, as only an idiot would think they could stealthily buy something over Facebook. That is so fucking dumb. But then again, I think that's what we're dealing with. They then brought their clothing back to their residence and burned it. At this point, however, they had enough, like authorities had enough evidence to arrest Robinson. And so the sheriff calls over to Fort Hood to have them attempt to apprehend Robinson so the police could bring him in. But surprise, surprise, Robinson had fled by this time. And it seems as though nobody had seen him go or could account for where he went. Fucking brotherhood. That's what it is. And that's, ugh. That's not what that's for, and yet that's what it ends up being. There is a difference between loyalty and decency, and perhaps some of these people weren't taught enough of that as children. The Lone Star Fugitive Task Force is now on the hunt for him, but they do not share his name or the fact that they have a suspect on the run with the public. That would just make him finding him easier, wouldn't it? Or I suppose there is a case, if I'm being fair, for the fact that plastering his name all over television might make him run farther faster. Right. Okay. I will give you that one thing. That's it. That's all you get. Yeah. Either way, the sheriff still had an ace up his sleeve. Authorities had Aguilar make a supervised phone call to Robinson. During this phone call, Robinson does not confirm or deny his involvement in the murder, but he is certainly distressed. Then during a second phone call, Robinson states, quote, baby, they found the pieces. They found the pieces. Mm-hmm. End quote. At a little after midnight on July 1st, using tracking from these phone calls, police located Aaron David Robinson at a residence outside of Fort Hood. When police approached the residence, he shot himself in the head and died instantly. So he never faced any justice. Well, that's still fine for me. But (sighs) I know. I wish it was more, but you know. On July 5th, the remains, were, the remains that they found in those three small holes were confirmed to be those of Vanessa Guillen. The outcry from the public was mournful and loud, as it should have been. The FBI has submitted a criminal complaint for Cecily Aguilar, and she is currently awaiting trial. Friends and family believe that the afternoon that she was killed, Vanessa had confronted Robinson with the fact that she was going to report him for sexual harassment. Robinson flew into a rage and killed her. So gross. Yep. I don't, I don't get it. Mm -mm. Somebody that angry should not be in the military. No, they shouldn't. He had access to a whole building full of weapons. Yeah. No. 
that's all, all of that's wrong. Yep. Soon after Vanessa's fate had been discovered, um, the hashtag I am Vanessa Gian, as I mentioned in the opening, popped up on Twitter. There are hundreds of women soldiers, some formal, former, maybe thousand, thousands, I should say, some former, some current, who have come forward to disclose abuses they have suffered while in the military. None of them were believed. None of their attackers were punished. And there, I, I can't stress enough how many there are. I read them and read them and read them because I needed to hear their stories. I felt that if I was going to report this, I had to bear witness to the devastation being uncovered in its wake. And I cried for all of them. I don't usually cry when I'm researching as I'm a bit desensitized at this point and my heart is clearly a lump of rock hard coal. But this time I did. And I encourage anyone who can to go and read those tweets and bear witness to what happened to those women. Because we all should. Yeah. Guillen's family is now pushing for legislation that would change the way military personnel report sexual assault and harassment allegations. This movement has gained steam with lawmakers and celebrities alike. Vanessa has been called a lightning rod, exposing a far greater problem that the military would have gladly continued to push under the rug. It's hard for me to end this episode, because I feel like there will always be so much more to say. We send our deepest sympathies to the Guillen family and to all the women who have suffered. Yes. And that is that, is that for now. My God. So the one thing that I found interesting was that I didn't know that these reports were, I didn't know that they were doing these like sexual harassment and assault reports. I mean, I guess I, I assumed that they're, in every workplace, you have a training that you mm-hmm. go through, and they do it every year. And one of the things that they said was that, you know, the training would kind of happen at the beginning of the year, and then you'd move on from mm-hmm. it. And so they are trying to do more now where it's throughout the year, multiple trainings, Good. things like that, that can help. Um, but what I found interesting was that this has been going on for so long, and these studies are out there like you can go and read them yep and you know I obviously you don't think to search for them until you're doing a podcast about it Mm -hmm. um but just all of these statistics are out there uh and it was it was alarming it's staggering yeah absolutely one of the ones that I didn't mention um that I thought was huge, and this will just give you an idea. So this was 2018. Sure. And this would have been around, you know, the that time was when of she Vanessa. Was, yeah, enlisted. Mm-hmm. That 20,500 service members were sexually assaulted or raped, including 13,000 women and 7,500 men. So that's the actual assault. So many. And not just the harassment. So how many more harassments? When they say, like, one in three um, harassers become assaulted or that are harassed become assaulted. That's just, it makes me so sad. And that's a huge jump. That's 40% more just from 2016 to 2018. And these are people who have decided to put their life on the line for a country we all live in and enjoy. We cannot just ignore the fact that that this is happening there. It's crazy and big, and I'm glad that we're talking about it. And I hope other people talk about it. Mm -hmm. And read, please, 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 Please read these personal accounts because they sound like numbers until they're coming out of women's mouths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And you can, maybe you can help me with this um, statistic too. Sure. Um, they were saying that for women veterans, the rate increased by over 50% to the highest level since 2006. So that's obviously after they're out. Some of them report after they're out, I would assume. Okay. They don't say anything until after they've yeah. left. I didn't know if that was like a psychological thing. Like after they left, maybe they were like beat down so much that they were assaulted after. I think it's out. reporting it after their service has ended. Okay. So okay. They, they, they were seeking no mm-hmm. retribution. Like if they right. reported their abuse after their time in the Army or Navy or whatever had ended, mm-hmm. then there's no way their commanding officer could come down on them because they weren't with them anymore. That makes sense. Uh, that's just what I'm going to gather mm-hmm. from that. I could be wrong, but... I do know a large portion of them, and probably the same for men too because it is a psychological issue, but uh, the ones that were um, sexually assaulted have a higher risk of becoming homeless after. It's and like killing a 40% themselves. and killing themselves, yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Oh, this is so sad. And it was, like we said, it, I mean, things were being updated today about it. Yeah, this is now. This is right now. And I just... Ugh. It's so sad and awful and put a face on it, you guys. I can't say it enough times. Put a, put a face on it. When you put a face on it, then suddenly it's not something you can just read and be done with. It's something that you see happening to humans. Right. And I think a, a big reason of why Vanessa Guillen's case hits home to so many people is because that it did just that. She's young and beautiful and vibrant looking in these pictures. And, and she was just gone. In the middle of the day, in an armory, what happened to all the blood? Let me tell you something. If you kill someone with a hammer, it's not a clean getaway. No. The armory had to have been covered in blood and gore. Head head wounds? Head wounds bleed like nobody's business. You know that. Right, because you said there were multiple? And that, like, strikes to the head? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. He, like, pulverized the shit out of her head yeah. with that hammer. Jesus. Yeah, that would have been a fucking mess. And it's not like no one ever worked in that place besides him. Yeah. What'd they do to clean it up? He makes no mention of cleaning up after the actual murder. None. Where is it? Yeah, so who cleaned up? Who cleaned up? Exactly. Ew. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. Yeah, so this one, I, I warned going in that this one was really tough, but I just, <sighs> I felt kind of attached to it, mm-hmm. and I feel like there are words that need to be said right now, and uh, yeah, so um, we're obviously going to toast Vanessa this week. For sure. Yeah. And her mom. And her mom. who Or the family, the whole They family. never gave up. They no. all spoke beautifully and impassioned. And um, I was going to actually add the audio of Vanessa's sister addressing the public to this podcast. But I think I think that it's important that you see her face. Yes. So there will be a link in the show notes to this video. And I sincerely hope that you guys will click on it. I also will post it in any and all social media that we have. I mean, anywhere you can find us, you'll be able to find this video. Um, so, yeah, cheers to Vanessa. <laughs> Our clinks are so sad. <laughs> so sad. Um, and we, it's, I know it's hard to turn on a dime, but we also have two new patrons this week. Yay. I know. We love you guys. <laughs> Bring it up, B, for a second. Yeah. It's going to go back down in a minute. But um, toast to Rachel Smith, 
Um, we love you, Rachel Smith. Thank you so much. We can't wait to see you at the Mutter Museum, hopefully. Yes. And to Monica, who did not include her last name. Monica. But I know Monica, so. What's your last name, Monica? Monica. <laughs> Where do you live? Yeah, that, was so, that was so creepy last week. That was terrifying. I listened to it a thousand times in editing. Where do you live? <laughs> You guys, make that your, like, text tone, please. Yes. Can we do that? Can we make that an option for everyone? Perfect. (laughs) You'll scare all your friends. It'll be great. Become a patron and get a ringtone. (laughs) Your text alert can be me going, where do you live? (laughs) You like that, right? I said it, like, ten times. It's great. Um, So, yeah, that's, uh, that's our episode for tonight. Um. And um, it's so hard to end now. It's really hard. Like I said before, it's really hard to bring it, to put, to close it. I feel like you don't want to close it either. I love you, Holly. I love you too, Leslie. You can tell me anything. Same. Oh. And on all, all the women and men, anybody that we know, please, please, we will always believe you. Yes. And if we were, as we all are, Vanessa Gian, we, we would, would be, be dead. dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Would Be Dead Pod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Hashtag I am Vanessa Guillen.